I invite you to turn in your Bibles to Revelation chapter 12. This will actually be the last in uh, the Advent series, Jesus the Lamb of God. Revelation chapter 12, beginning with verse 1, and encourage you to follow along in your pew Bibles. That's uh, at the end of your Bibles, page 1035. 1,035, and I'll be reading verses 1 through 12 of Revelation chapter 12. This is the word of God. And a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of 12 stars. She was pregnant and was crying out in birth pains and the agony of giving birth. And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great red dragon with seven heads and ten horns, and on his heads seven diadems. His tail swept down a third of the stars of heaven and cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth, so that when she bore her child, he might devour it. And she gave birth to a male child, one who is to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. But her child was caught up to God and to his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by God in which she is to be nourished for 1,260 days. Now war arose in heaven, Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was defeated, and there was no longer any place for them in heaven, and the great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent who was called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world, he was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down, who accuses them day and night before our God, and they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. For they loved not their lives even unto death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. But woe to you, O earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you in great wrath, because he knows that his time is short. Amen to this reading of God's holy word. The grass withers, the flower fades. But the word of our God will stand through the ages. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the truth of your word, the unfailing, unchangeable truth of your word. Pray that your Holy Spirit would be at work in our hearts and lives and minds even today. 
Pray that you would be opening up our eyes, unstopping our ears, making our hearts tender and teachable, Father God, so that we would not only be wiser students, uh, but more faithful, loving followers, servants of Christ, your Son and our Savior. Pray that your Holy Spirit, Father, would be bringing light to bear. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. The conclusion of a calendar year can be a crazy time, even for Christians. Uh, we're, we're frantically cleaning up after Christmas and fervently hoping that we can begin uh, the new year with our, our lives all tidily organized. That's, that's the prayer, that's the wish, the plan. But at the end of the year, we can't resist looking back. And sometimes when we look back, we look back with sorrow over unfinished tasks, maybe over unkept promises. But then again, we begin to look forward to the, to the coming year, to 2015. Uh, we sometimes look to the coming year with grave fears, Genuine concerns about the future. But on this concluding Sunday of A.D. 2014, Anno Domini, the year of our Lord, let us turn to the concluding book of the Bible and fix our eyes on Jesus, our conquering Lamb and our coming King. Now, and here in this 12th chapter of Revelation, and would invite you to keep your Bibles open there on page 1035. Here we see that the certainty of Christ, of conquering in Christ, provides us with unending gospel comfort. Well, why can we possess gospel comfort in Christ's conquest? Well, first six verses we'll see gospel signs. Verses 7 through 9, there, there's a gospel struggle taking place in heaven, uh, but it ends on, on a note of victory, a gospel song of victory there in verses 10 through 12. Uh, but keep your Bibles open there to Revelation. Sometimes people are, are daunted, fearful, uh, to even crack the book of Revelation, uh, it, a few notes here to set the stage. Revelation is the concluding book of the Bible. And I believe if you really want to understand Revelation, you need to read through all of Scripture. You need to read through the other 65 books of the Bible first to better understand Revelation. There are allusions to many of the Old Testament books Signs and symbols taken from all of Scripture, reference to, to Christ and the Gospels. Uh, but here in Revelation, you do see the, the certain conquest of Christ, the assurance of glory. It, it's a call for us to live in confident expectation of the promised return for Christ, his beloved bride, the church. And... Revelation truly is, is a book meant to comfort Christians. 
it's a book of hope for us. And it begins here, though, Revelation 12, 1, with a, with a sign. A great sign appeared in heaven. So that you would understand what a sign is, think of, of Luke chapter 2, verse 12, where, where the shepherds hear uh, this announcement. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. A, a sign can be a miraculous event or, or, or place or person that, that is contrary to the usual course of nature, but it, it's pointing us to a gracious reality. And here scripture speaks of a great sign. It's not just a sign, but it's a great sign. You'll see that word great again in verse 3. It's only used one other time in Revelation 15, verse 1. Uh, but, but what's the first sign? The first sign is of an expectant woman, and so you know where we're going. Then we'll see an evil dragon in verses 3 and 4, and then an exalted son in verses 5 and 6. It begins with this expectant woman. Uh, This woman is a sign, it's a symbol of of Israel, all of God's people. It's a sign, a symbol of the church, all of God's redeemed children. Uh, This woman is robed in the radiance of the sun, the light of Christ. She has dominion over the moon, this crown of 12 stars. 12 is a significant number, 12 tribes of Israel, 12 apostles of, of Christ, But it's an expectant woman who is ready to give birth. In fact, she's even in birth pains. And uh, some would say, well, this woman obviously has to be Mary, the Virgin Mary. Um, And Mary is part of the church. Uh, She is part of God's redeemed people. But it's bigger than Mary. And so that you would uh, see that it's not just Mary. If you skip ahead to Revelation 12, verse 17, uh, we read this, Then the dragon be- became furious with the woman and went off to make war on the rest of her offspring, on those who keep the commandments of God. And, and so this woman is ready to give birth I believe it's a reference back to Micah chapter 5, verse 2, that, uh, that passage of Scripture that speaks of the Messiah. Micah 5, verse 2, But you, O Bethlehem, Ephratah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth, from you shall be born uh, for me, one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. And, and so it begins, uh, the first and great sign is of this expectant woman. Secondly, we'll see an evil dragon, uh, verses 3 and 4. This is Satan. He is not a great sign, but he is a great dragon. We could go back to Genesis chapter 3, that serpent that tempted Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. Now he's a dragon. He is red, which is the color of warfare, seven heads, ten horns, seven diadems on his head, seven heads. He has great cunning, 
Uh, Ten horns, great power, seven diadems, he has great power, uh, but this is arrogated power, not power of of his own. Uh, He is is destructive. Uh, With his tail, he swept down a third of the stars of heaven and cast them to the earth. I believe this is a reference to the initial fall of Satan from heaven. Uh, But most importantly, he's set to devour the child that the expectant woman is about to deliver. Uh, You remember there, back in, in, again, Genesis 3.15, that the the seed of woman would crush the head of the serpent. And and, and Satan um, wants to strike first. He wants to devour. He wants to kill this child. That's always the strategy of, of Satan, to kill, to murder, to slay. But there is a certain coming of an exalted son. That, that's where we conclude this, this opening section about the signs of heaven. This exalted son is none other than Jesus. This male child, this birth of Jesus, who's of the line and the lineage of David. Jesus, who is fully man and fully God, is of the part of Israel as well. He's born a child and yet a king, and this male child will soon rule with a rod of iron. Uh, It's a reference back to Psalm chapter 2, verse 9, speaking of the Son of God, Jesus. Uh, Psalm 2, verse 9, you shall break them, or you shall rule over them, or you shall shepherd them. Uh, with a rod of iron and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Uh, This child who is to be born will be king. He will rule over all of his creation. He will certainly defeat Satan with this rod of iron. few more truths here about this exalted son. She gave birth to a male child, one who is to rule the nations, all the nations with a rod of iron, but her child was caught up to God and to his throne. Uh, This is the ascension of Christ. We know Christ's birth, his sinless life, his sacrificial death, his resurrection, his 40 days Here on earth, but at the end of 40 days, Christ was taken up, was caught up into glory. And the woman then, Israel, the church, flees into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by God. In which she is to be nourished uh, for 1260 days. The wilderness is a good place in this case. God protects, provides for his church for this set amount of time. It is a season of struggling and suffering, though, before Christ's return. Signs in heaven, you know, preparing us, yes, for suffering. You know, think of it this way. When... We're sick, uh, we head to our doctor's office. And 
when we get to the doctor's office, uh, the doctor will often uh, give us a shot uh, to help us get healthy. And before he or she gives us the shot, the doctor compassionately says, you know, this may hurt a little bit, or this may hurt a lot, depending on the size of the needle. And, um, you know, we're, we're grateful, you know, that they prepare us, you know, for that, that momentary pain that, that is coming, but that pain of the needle and of the shot that will help us be stronger. You know, and, and here God is graciously declaring to us uh, the, these, this great sign, these great signs in heaven. We can see of this woman, the church. We can see the, the antagonist, our great foe, the devil. But we can see the promise of Christ here who will rule over the nations. And so we get this first glimpse of the conquering Christ, but we're not done yet. Uh, Secondly, in Revelation 12, there's a struggle in heaven now, beginning in verse 7. Now, this warfare is in heaven. God's heavenly army, led by Michael, the archangel, is fighting with Satan and his minions. And uh, what is the biblical basis for this battle? It seems... Uh, from a scriptural study that uh, this is Satan uh, vainly seeking to maintain his toehold in heaven. You know, at, at this point in scriptural theology, Satan has been cast down out of heaven, uh, but at times he can still appear before the presence of God. You see that in the book of Job, uh, Satan still appearing in, in God's presence. And and Satan here is scrambling, uh, vainly seeking to to have this toehold, this claw hold in heaven after his decisive defeat. But Michael, the guardian angel of Israel, is fighting against Satan with, with all of the armies of heaven. And although Satan is making war against Michael and the angels in glory, they were conquered and cast down. The the dragon is defeated. And so that we would see that certain defeat of Satan five times in, in three verses, Scripture tells us Satan was thrown down. And in this coming year, maybe even today, you feel like sin is crushing you, that sin is conquering you. And keep this verse in mind, these verses in mind. Satan has been thrown down by a mighty and a merciful God who loves us in Christ. Satan is a defeated foe. He's still kicking, he's still screaming and grumbling, but he is defeated. Now, don't be uncertain about that. Scripture clearly proclaims that. And I don't want to give Satan undue attention here, but Scripture here gives us a few vital details about Satan, this dragon. He is ancient. He's been around at creation. Satan is a created being. He is a serpent. He is cunning. He is called the devil or diabolos, the the slanderer. 
He is called the deceiver of the whole world. That, that's his intent. Uh, we, we see a, a glimpse of that in, there in Genesis when he led Adam and Eve into sin in the Garden of Eden. He still seeks even to deceive the elect. And those are the words of Christ in Matthew chapter 24, verse 24. You know, there, there is this struggle in heaven. But Satan was cast down. You know, 2014 may have been a year filled with faith struggles for you. Our family had a taste of it too. Moving my mother out of her home, our family home of 55 years, it was a good thing. She needed to be in an assisted living facility. You know, the sickness and the passing, the home going of Lynn's father. I know that there are others uh, in our own church family. Uh, The passing of beloved family. Uh, Family struggles that that you've been through, maybe are going through now. Uh, Job concerns. Fears about the future. Uh, There there are great struggles in, in heaven you know, but praise God, Satan has been thrown down. He's been defeated by Christ himself, as we'll see here in just a moment. And so keep in mind uh, that, that Satan has been conquered. Uh, a glorious verse to go along with uh, Revelation chapter 12 That chapter of scripture is Romans chapter 8, verse 37. Talking about all the trials and tribulations uh, that go beforehand, but then we read in Romans chapter 8, verse 37 and following, No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us, for I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. There are signs in heaven, there are struggles in heaven, but finally there is a song of victory, verses 10 through 12. And now John, Apostle John, hears a loud voice in heaven. I believe that that loud voice is the, the collective voice of all of the saints triumphant uh, who are in glory. And, and look at this, this song of praise, this, this cry of praise. You know, it, it begins with the word now. Now, so many people read Revelation thinking, well, what's to come? You know, I want to figure out the future, Lord. And, and, and here God is reassuring us now, now, at the present moment, right at this very second, now you can know that the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. It's not that they will come or might could come. Or maybe will come. They they have come. It, it's an accomplished action by our great and gracious God. And, and just to take a, a 
a New York Minute to, to look there at, at verse 10. You know, each of those truths, now the salvation have come. Not just a salvation, but the salvation. The salvation by grace through faith in Christ. We possess present assurance of salvation because of Christ's birth, his death, his resurrection. Now have come the salvation. You don't have to wait till you get to heaven to know if you're one of God's redeemed children. We can know that now because of Christ. Now have come the salvation and the power, the might, or the strength. You know, in, in contrast to Satan, you know, Satan's a 98-pound weakling. God in Christ is the mighty one. Now have come the kingdom of our God, God's present and permanent reign over his redeemed ones. You know, God is ruling and reigning over us now, over our homes and marriages and families, over his churches, over his countries, over all cultures, all continents. And the authority of his Christ, the authority given by God the Father to God the Son, and God's rule here is clearly established. And so that we would never forget the accuser of our brothers. That's Satan. That's what Satan always delights to do. He he loves to accuse us, to say, you know, God can never forgive your sins. You're beyond hope. Remember that sin you've committed or remember the, the multitude of sins that you've committed. And, and he points the finger at us and he accuses us and he accuses us before God the Father. And, and here scripture tells us he has been thrown down. He, he is powerless. He is defeated. And, and we do have that victory in Jesus uh if you if you if we had a complaint box here we don't maybe i should add one in the coming year but uh, you could complain i was the one who picked victory in jesus i think it's a hymn that every christian should know It'll be in the top 100 list of hymns uh but but there's a great story behind it Uh, Eugene Monroe Bartlett Sr. was a great hymn writer. He was a a Christian businessman, started a music company, a music school. But uh, he suffered a a great stroke, you know, two years before he died, unable to speak. And in the two years uh, before his death, this was the hymn that he wrote. And he wrote scores of other hymns. Uh, you could find them online, but the, the only hymn that the church still sings on a regular basis is this hymn. Written in a time of struggle, a time of sorrow, a time of trial and tribulation. Knowing that his victory was in Jesus. It was an accomplished fact, and he had that glorious hope of heaven. And how can we know that that victory? 
there in verse 11, and they have conquered him. You know, again, it's not they will conquer him, but they have conquered him. By the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, for they loved not their lives even unto death. They have conquered him. They have overcome. They have prevailed against unimaginable odds. They, they have carried the day. Uh, the, the war is won. Still skirmishes taking place, but Satan has been conquered. Why or how actually by or through on the grounds of the blood of the Lamb? Because of Christ's blood that was shed for us on the cross of Calvary, cleansing us from all of our sins so that when our heavenly Father looks at us now, he doesn't see our sinfulness, he sees the righteousness of his own Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. But there's a, a responsibility implied there. It's through the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. We, we bear evidence of our faith and our love and our trust in Christ by being his witnesses, by telling others this good news, that Christ has conquered sin and death and the grave. No, there, there is no greater comfort. Now, we tend to look for comfort in the passing things of this world. Christmas presents, new vehicles, new jobs. And there is really only one source for true comfort, true peace, true hope. And that is through faith in Christ. A few Christmases ago, some dear Christian friends gave me a hymn book, Gadsby's Hymn, compilation of hymns, not only by, well, that William Gadsby put together, some of the hymn writers you might remember, John Newton wrote Amazing Grace, Anne Steele, uh, we've talked about her some, Augustus Toplady, uh, Charles Wesley, William Cooper, who is the, uh, the author of our last hymn, There is a Fountain Filled with Blood. But there's a hymn that I hadn't read before. And, and close with this and make an application or two. It's a hymn by Isaac Watts. You know, thinking of conquering by the blood of the Lamb. Give me the wings of faith to rise within the veil and see the saints above How great their joys, how bright their glories be. Once they were mourning here below and wet their couch with tears. They wrestled hard as we do now with sins and doubts and fears. I asked them whence their victory came. They, with united breath, ascribed their conquests to the Lamb their triumph to his death. They marked the footsteps that he trod. His zeal inspired their breast. And following their incarnate God, possess the promised rest.
you might feel like you're limping to the finish line here at the close of 2014. You're struggling even here and now, overwhelmed uh, by what might come, what might could come in 2015. God gives us present comfort and the promise of eternal comfort in Christ. Here again, Revelation 12:11, and they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, for they loved not their lives even unto death. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, we thank you for Jesus, your Son and our Savior. We thank you not only for his birth, but we thank you for his blood that was shed for our sins on the cross. The righteous one dying for us, the unrighteous ones, to bring us to God, to bring us present comfort, true peace. But Lord God, thank you for that eternal comfort we can know in Christ. And Lord, I, I pray for that comfort for those who are struggling, those who are hurting, those who are sorrowing, those who are hurting and hopeless, feeling helpless, Lord. Pray that you would turn their eyes upon Jesus, our conquering lamb, our coming king, in whose name we pray. Amen.